This is Masonic Muscle, where we explore the mysterious origins, history, traditions, and symbols of Freemasonry, while at the same time encouraging you, brethren, to increase your level of physical fitness one degree at a time, strengthening your body, mind, and soul, and getting an awesome mental, muscular, and spiritual pump. We give you more light, but no lightweights. Well, brethren, here we are. Another episode. And I got to ask you, got to ask you, have you, brethren, been reading your ciphers? Especially you officers here in California and anywhere else, any other jurisdictions that you, where you use ciphers. Have you been reading your ciphers? Have you been working on your memory work? Have you been strengthening your Masonic knowledge with some good research, study, memory work, and possibly the best way you can increase your knowledge and fastest way through some great conversations? Have you been making exercise the cornerstone of your daily routines? If you haven't, what are you waiting for? I mean, really, what are you waiting for? What's stopping you? All right, let's get going. I have another email here, and this time it's from uh, Cole Kubicki. I hope I'm uh, pronouncing that correctly, Cole. If I butchered that, hey, I'm sorry. <clears throat> this is what he has to say. I wanted to take a moment to reach out and connect with the fellow brother who was doing something important in the craft. I definitely thought of you when I watched the installation of officers at my lodge and they were desperately adjusting their aprons to get them to buckle. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think we all know what he's talking about, right? I've seen that. I still see that. Hold on. Mm. Uh, yeah. Just finished a awesome little uh, cardio workout here. And I am um, cooling down with a nice cold anchor beer out of San Francisco. All right, let's continue. He says, my name is Cole, and I am a fellow craft at Window 565, way over here in North Carolina. I am an avid weightlifter runner, and my wife and I put a, a strong focus on nutrition due to some health issues she has battled for years. However, I will freely admit that I am part of that younger generation you have spoken of who overconsumes online content and articles on training and obsesses over every other extraneous detail than hard work and true failure. Since listening to your podcast, I have made some positive changes to my training programs. I write, and I am seeing great results. Yeah, fucking awesome, Cole. Shit, yeah. One thing I am constantly noticing as I progress through my degrees is the concept of balance. I know you have spoken on this. A lot of brothers spend an admirable amount of time on the mind spirit, but neglected the physical. I am well aware that I am guilty of the opposite, and I have drastically changed my training schedule to allow more time for spiritual development. Hey, that's how you got to do it. You recognize it, and now you're addressing it. Amongst brothers, there is a clear need for more emphasis on that balance. The focus on physical health and how it can drastically improve mental faculties. I often think about how we have developed antidepressants for the mind when the gut is the true center and has far more 
serotonin receptor sites than the brain. If that isn't a sign of how we should direct our focus, I don't know what is. So on that note, I think a lot of brothers would benefit from some Masonic resources to get them started on their journey to break off the rough edges of their physical form. <laughs> Very well put. There is a lot of misinformation out there and a lot of content that's flashy but falls flat when applied. If you would ever be interested in taking on a partner to develop some programs, a blog, or anything else you think of, I would be delighted to offer assistance. I think every brother who joins the craft is looking for ways to give back and add value. This would be a great exercise for me. Thank you for doing what you are doing, and please continue to speak truth and deliver knowledge. I'll be listening. Cole, thank you. And hey, there's some truth. You're, you're spinning some truth to all of us, all of us, uh, myself included, and you're telling us where you're at. Hey, congratulations, you're a fellow craft, and um, I hope that you're studying your cipher. I hope that you're doing your memory work. And it's good to know that you recognize there's an imbalance that you got to address the physical and the, uh, you know, the gut. Yes, uh, there's a lot of uh, articles out there uh, talking about what you were, what you mentioned about uh, gut health. And you, you get all these uh, probiotics and stuff like that because of all this food and junk we've been eating that our stomach can no longer do is it's overwhelmed. So they take probiotics and to help all, you know, the, the healthy bacteria to get in there, get back in there, get a good balance and start doing what it's supposed to be doing. So again, Cole, Cole Kubicki out of North Carolina. Thank you. And I, I hope, thank you for listening. I hope you write again and tell us how you're doing. All right. Now on to some Masonic education and the article that I'm going to be reading today is from Philalethes Magazine, 1948, <clears throat> and is written by uh, Dr. Ross Hepburn out of Christchurch, New Zealand. And the name of the article is notes on Masonic history. Pretty interesting. It's got a lot of good stuff and seeing how the Masonic part of this podcast is on the mysterious origins, history, traditions, and symbols of Freemasonry. This fits right in. He says, the theory that Freemasonry is derived from the Egyptian mysteries appears to have been invented by the late brother Reverend Dr. George Oliver, 1782 to 1876, who has been described as the most voluminous Masonic writers that has ever lived. He was also one of the most unreliable and his works are too uncritical and fanciful to find much favor with Masonic students at the present day. Well, now Oliver's, Oliver's version of Masonic history was accepted and repeated by other Masonic writers for many years until it was eventually exploded by gold Speth. Hahn, Woodford, and others, brethren who founded the Quarter Coronati Lodge in 1884. These brethren, who are known as the Authentic School, rendered a great service to Freemasonry by clearing Masonic history of the mass of legend and lumber that had accumulated around it through the efforts of imaginative writers, 
of an earlier period. They placed Masonic history on a sound basis by refusing to accept anything as a fact which could not be proved by reliable historian, historic evidence. The statement that Freemasonry is derived from the mysteries of ancient Egypt, which appeals in various forms in our first and second tracing board lectures, is actually a recent addition that, or accretion to the ritual, giving it a spurious air of antiquity. This, I believe, was some has been has begun to be somewhat refuted now by um, articles you can find in the in the book that that came out from Philalethes Lodge. I mean, uh, you know, the the magazine uh, put together by brothers Sean Ayer and other scholars uh, talking about how we can no longer. If we want to understand uh, the Masonic origins in history, we have to accept that some of these fantastic legends were being written for a very specific reason. And because of that, <clears throat> because of that, um, we have to understand the symbolism and get to the allegory of what they were talking about. So again, you know, if, and that's, in alignment with what Freemasonry is supposed to do, what Masons are supposed to do, and that is to learn by symbols, to study symbols and learn by them. So uh, there you go. Let's continue on. The late brother Lionel Viebert, in a paper, Vestiges of Early Dams, published in the Transactions of the Manchester Association for Masonic Research, Volume 16, in discussing the difference between genuine survivals and mere accretions or additions to the ritual compares the latter with Cleopatra's needle, the obelisk on Thames embarkment, which, though ancient in itself, was placed in its position in modern times, in 1878 to be exact. Brother Viewer states that many cathedrals or abbeys in England, while obviously of, say, 14th century or perhaps Tudor architecture, contain some fragment dating from an earlier period. We may not be able to say much about the earlier building of which only one fragment has survived. But we can say with absolute certainty that there was such a building, and in the absence of our bit of stone, there might have been no evidence at all for it. The later builders may have swept away every other trace. Now in the craft, we have this very phenomenon. We have at various periods had reconstructions, the authors of which were in no way concerned to preserve all the old material. Yet, there appears today in our ritual and our customs fragments preserved like the carved stones above described. These are genuine survivals. Mm. Ah. The fragment of Norman sculpture in a church wall is susceptible of a natural and obvious explanation. We may have no other record that the church we see was preceded by one built two or more centuries earlier. But that bit of carving is definite evidence, it being a fact, which in itself is not only possible, but imminently probable from what we know of church building in England. But the phenomena occurs in another form. For instance, we find on the Thames embarkment itself a work of the uh, 19th century, an Egyptian obelisk. But we shall not be justified in drawing the deduction that the Thames had been previously embanked by Ramses the Great, 
or Thutmose III, whose name that obelisk bears. In this case, our knowledge of history is sufficient to enable us to assert that the obelisk was brought to its present place and is no more than an accretion with no part in the history of the locality that it now adorns. Now, our English craft today is not without its obelisks. We have incorporated into our system matters that take us or seem to take us very far from England and back into very remote times. We have to recognize that all through its history, the craft has been subject to a continual process of accretion, that bits of symbolism or ritual, which are now our very essence, may nevertheless have been imported at a comparatively late date. Maybe not survivals, whether accidental or intentional, of an earlier stage in our history, but deliberate introductions from an alien source. They are not the carved fragments in our wall, but ornaments brought from afar to stick on it. Brother Lionel Vibert in a lecture, Origins, printed in Miscellanea Latomorum, volume 24, states on page 85, in fact, today our ritual bears clear indications of a considerable process of accretion by the introduction of matter from somewhere else. Features that are not in themselves natural incidents of a building workroom. Thus, our penalties remind us of the treason penalties of the old admiralty courts. We hear, and there is a terminology suggestive of the, of the Kabbalah, which was much studied in the 15th century. We have numerous symbols in common with the Rosicrucians and Hermeticists, philosophers who flourished in the 17th century, and our interpretation of Hebrew words are borrowed from the Geneva Bible, which was the Bible of England till well into the 18th century. The process then has been one of constant accretion, but the craft is in its essence, like the Gothic, in the midst of its developed, which it developed, an institution of British growth on British soil. I will conclude with a short quotation from Noop and Jones, Short History of Freemasonry to 1730, on the subject of earlier Masonic writers with special reference to the last sentence thereof. Some of them were sufficiently aware of the fact that the history of a building is not the same as the history of Freemasonry. Others conceiving of Freemasonry mainly as a peculiar system of morality veiled in allegory and illustrated by symbols, explored the ancient history of symbolism without realizing that symbolism became a characteristic of Freemasonry only in a relatively modern times. Still others, primarily interested in Masonic ceremonies, sought to connect Freemasonry with one or other of the ancient or medieval societies which practice initiatory rites. But these investigators commonly ignored the fact that the influence, if any, of the old rituals could have been exercised upon Freemasonry only in and after the third decade of the 18th century. May 1948, issue Transactions of the Masters and Past Masters Lodge, number 150, Christchurch, New Zealand. So there we have some scholarly research <clears throat> on the notes on Masonic history. And in just because we read that, that was from 1948, does not mean that that settles that. 
because as time has gone on and and these articles are wonderful they're 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 great because you can you can see the development of the thinking and the some of the conclusions and some of the guesswork at that time according to the knowledge and artifacts that they had and these were the, some of the best guesses and since then there have been other discoveries that have uh for some to begin to, you know, address it, that same topic in a different way. Mm. Ah, yes. Quench that thirst. So we have a continuing development and evolution of Masonic origins and theories some of them at first glance may seem pretty solid, like, well, that settles that, but it's, it hasn't been that simple, especially in light of a new discoveries and some, some other fantastic pieces of work that uh, have been, you know, brought out um, over these last 20, 20 years or so. And let me tell you, they are, when you read them, you're just left with no other option but to be like, wow, um, okay, I, I wasn't considering that. And that's good. That's good. It's not what we think, but it is. It is what we think, but it's not that sort of stuff. Now, on to some history, I guess you can uh, call it. And that is the history of the dumbbell. And that history, if you know it or not, will surprise you. And this is from our good friend, Bill Hinberg's world famous super strength training. He has this to say, for those of you who love to work out with dumbbells, there is plenty of reason to celebrate today. This was a Monday, so I'm a little late. Our Valentine's Day, on Valentine's Day in 1865, Dr. George Barker Winship of Boston, Massachusetts, was granted a patent on his practical graduating dumbbell. That's right. The humble adjustable plate loading dumbbell traces its roots as far back as the Civil War. Up until that time, cast iron globular style or globular style dumbbells were only available in a fixed weight with no adjustment, which meant for progressive resistance, an individual needed several dumbbells in graduated weights to provide the necessary resistance for a wide variety of exercises. Dr. Winship's simple invention helped improve that situation by providing one dumbbell that could be adjusted to the specific exercise and or the individual's gradual improvement in strength. A primitive affair to say the least, but nonetheless, a new, improved and convenient way of measuring progress in physical exercise. Needless to say, a monumental improvement to progress res progressive resistance exercise. And for those of you who want one of the best training courses for the use of adjustable plate loading dumbbells, check out the following course. The famous old time strongman dumbbell course, strongman dumbbell course. And uh, you can click on into his website and find that that's the name of the book. 
And so it's happy 157th birthday birthday to the adjustable plate loading dumbbell. And there you have it. There's our part for exercise. Happy birthday to the dumbbell this last Monday. And hey, you know what you got to do. All of you brothers out there, you know what you got to do. If you want to improve, masonry is a progressive science. If you want to increase your level of strength in the, in the gym, in your dungeon, in your garage, what do you got to do? You got to increase the, the uh, resistance, the progressive resistance. And with that, this has been another exercise in critical thinking and speculation, challenging you all to question everything Question everything and above all to prevail, prepare, prevail, and prosper because you as Masons, if you paid attention, you know that if you do not as a Mason contribute to the common stock of knowledge and understanding, you may be deemed a drone in the hive of nature as a useless member of society and unworthy of our protection as Masons. Until next time, peace out.